Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Blue Jays Way podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Martin, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Tyler Prosick, and our guest this week, Robert Vona, to talk about some baseball as the Blue Jays win their first series against the Yankees, our Jays picks of the week, and our interview with Scott. Guys, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Robert, what about you? I'm finally back. I'm back and better than ever on the Blue Jays way. I'm excited to the, be here yet again. The B-level guest returns. I'm now no, B+. Yeah, I was about to say, now you're B-plus, man. B-plus. I'm, I'm making my way up the rankings slowly but surely. And uh, I don't know, hopefully, hopefully I'll get to an A-plus guest, if that's even possible. But yeah, no, no, no I'm excited to be back. Talk some Jays, of course. Uh, and yeah. One of the reasons we brought you back is because I think I think it's a mistake that we'll uh, rectify next year, but I think we kind of did the uh, over-unders a little bit prematurely as, um, you know, go, as going through them. Also, you should check out that episode if you haven't seen it, but um, I was going through them and obviously we had one on Kirby Yates. He's not going to pitch a single game this year, so I figured it was kind of unfair for the person that took the under, which was me, to, uh, you know, win that category on the fact that he's going for Tommy John. So for the fact that we want to replace that category and we realize there's an even number of categories, we're going to do two quick over-unders right now. And uh, so, yeah, we're just going to get started. And Robert, we'll let you take it away. All right. So in case for the people listening that missed our last podcast featuring myself and these lovely two gentlemen, um, we talked about some over-unders that we here at Over the Line Sports have put together for the J season. So basically, it's just a bunch of past data and past stats, and we put it or we translated it to this season. And it's up to Tyler and Curtis's discretion on whether or not they want to take the over or the under on that given number. And Curtis is holding a cardboard cutout of himself with a Jays jersey and Jays hat on which isn't disturbing at all. What a legend. He has himself muted and he, and he's, he's laughing pretty hard back there behind his muted screen. So, yeah, well, I didn't want to edit out the laughing part. So, so yeah, I had myself muted, but you're just one step ahead. I I need the better half of myself to answer these questions, Robert. So that's why I brought him in. Sorry. So I guess, I guess there's four of us now there's Curtis Martin and cardboard Curtis Martin and Tyler and myself. Man, Tyler, I was thinking about this the other day. They're doing them again. Imagine if we sent in photos, like we took a picture and we like sliced it in half. So like <laughs> we have our two cardboards sitting beside each other in the uh, in the stands. I I thought that would be pretty funny. That'd be kind of cool. And we have like our arms around each other, and it's just like it's like cut in the middle. So like my arms on your shoulder, your <laughs> arms on my shoulder. <laughs> that'd be kind of fire. Not gonna lie. That'd be a anyways. Sorry, Robert, we uh, derailed your segment of the show, but go no, ahead. Please. You can derail my segment anytime. I'm just a B-plus level guest, so it's all good. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you, could be, you could be a B-level guest, but you're a B-plus yeah, guest. Right. Don't ever forget it. Right. I won't. I'm going to live up to the name. Live up to the, to the label. Live up to the hype. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, obviously, like you said, Kirby Yates is literally, literally not going to throw a pitch in a Toronto Blue Jays uniform this year. Maybe ever. Or ever. Um, so we replaced his former over-under with the number of pitchers to get a save for the Jays this year at over or under four and a half pitchers. Curse, who want, do you want me to go first or are you ready to go first? It's up to you, I got you, my buddy. answer. I got my answer too. Okay, I'll, I'll start and I'm taking the under on this one. Um, what? Under, yeah. So Julian Merriweather pitched two dimes for his both both his saves um and if he continues that there's no reason why he won't continue being the save guy um and if not i think they give it to romano and if not romano then it goes to dolis and i don't see anyone else going for the saves so those are my three if that even happens which is under the the five that we set it at so i'm going obviously for my reaction i'm going over and there's a couple reasons why i'm going over i think that once uh, I think Nate Pearson isn't going to be a starter this whole season. I think because of his injury, he's going to see some time in the bullpen. So I'd imagine he get a save in that scenario. I also think Alex Manoa, if he comes up, will be you know a really good option as a guy who could close a game. So I think for me, if I'm going through my thought process, it's going to be Merriweather, Dolis, 
and then you got Romano, and then I think um, um, I just said his name. Uh, Pearson. Manoa. Manoa as four, and I think either Pearson or or uh, Philip will probably get at least one save during the season. So I'm going with. I think five are going to get, so I'm going to go with the over. Yeah, that's fair. Both pretty fair judgments. Um, and I mean, this isn't really a very long segment, so I guess we made it finally the last over under. Uh, the number of times Charlie Montoyo gets ejected this year over or under 0.5. So basically, is he going to get thrown out or not? Yes or no? Yes. He's going to get thrown out. Like, there, there's too many Vic Carapaces in this league for him not to get thrown out. Like, I've, I feel like all we need is one day of the 162 days where Charlie's just pissed. And then, like, Vic is just like, like, wait, do we? I wish we knew who was umping every game because if we had a Vic Carapasa game, um, you know, any time in the schedule, it's 100% yes. But I'm not sure about that. But I'm going to bet that we do. So I'm going to go, yes, he's getting thrown out because. You know, the umpires sometimes suck in this league and Charlie can sometimes get pissed. So I'm going with yes. Um, generally, I would go with the over because it's 160 games. And once it gets to August and September, there's going to be at least three games, I think, in those two months that he gets thrown out. Um, but for the sake of over-unders, um, I'm going to go with the under on this one. Charlie Montoya is not going to get thrown out of a game this year. Uh, maybe sacrificing myself a little bit here. But uh, if this is the tiebreaker, oh, so well. be it. <laughs> so be it. Yeah. So. I, I just I just picked the over because I want to see it happen. Like I the one thing I miss about Gibby being the manager is just seeing him get yanked every month. Like it seemed like yeah. once a month that guy was getting tossed out of a game because he was like in an umpire's face, like basically spitting on the guy. Oh yeah. Like, if we if I'm, we yeah. if, if we were dealing with like a Joe Madden or like a Joe Girardi or even like an Aaron Boone, this would definitely I, hammering the over is an understatement well, of what I, they should be doing. I think I saw something on SN stats and when Gibby retired that he's like second all time on manager ejections in MLB history or something really? like that. Yeah. I, I, we'd have to fact check that, but also uh, I'd like to extend an invite to John Gibbons to come on the podcast. Cause I'd love to talk to that man. I like, he's, he's such a great interview. Like every time I hear him, like he's hopped on uh, Toronto radio since he's retired. Great guy. I'd love to have him on. I'd love to hear his thoughts on Vic Carapasa, on, you know, the current Blue Jays, on whatever. Like, I don't even need to talk. He can just talk for the full 40-minute podcast. I just want to have him on. Like, um, From what I'm reading here, unless this is an unreliable source, but I don't think it is, John Gibbons is 14th all-time in total ejections. That's pretty high though, because I mean that is pretty that's, high. That's... He's he's been ejected fifty three total times. God, how many games? I wonder how how many games has he managed. Let's find out. I know I'm sidetracking this show, but sorry, I'll fill time. Tyler, oh my, how God, would you like? A... Oh, sorry, no, that's a, that's a lot of games. I did not think it was that many. Uh, he has managed a total of one thousand five hundred eighty two games. And he's been ejected 53 times. Wait, that's a lot less than I thought. I thought he would have been ejected more. Like, because it feels yeah. like he gets ejected like every month that there's well, baseball. I mean, technically, you're kind of right because if I, if my math is correct, that's an ejection every 29.8 games, which is roughly a month. So you might Big be on green energy over there, here. Curtis. Yeah, for real. You might be onto something. Anyways. <laughs> but uh sorry to sidetrack the show but i do want to uh thank you for coming back to take over that segment but you're gonna stick around because you have been watching the games and we just love having you on the show so uh we're gonna quickly go into our jays of the week and we'll let you know our our guest robert take it over so robert tell us who is your jay of the week well obviously it was a great start for the Jays this week. I was really impressed with how they were playing, especially opening up um, with a series against a division rival like the Yankees, which obviously coming into the season has been a huge narrative as to, I don't want to say it's a two-way race, but it seems like it's almost a two-way race between them and the Yankees for first in the division. I'm not trying to discredit the Rays or anything, but 
that's just the hype in Toronto and the hype around everyone. It seems that way. Um, there were a lot of good players that stood out to me. Um, but if I had to go with one, I think I'd have to go with Randall Grichik. Um, he went six for 13, a home run and four RBIs on the year. And, you know, coming into the season, there was a lot of talk about him, you know, is he, who, who's the, which outfielder is going to get the boots? Because obviously they brought in George Springer and, you know, they have more outfielders than you can play on the team. So obviously with George Springer on the injured list, Randall Grichik, um, he, he gets his spot. He gets his chance to play in there. And I think he nailed it. I mean, personally, myself, I thought going into the season, I really didn't think Grichik was the guy to sit out. And I think these first four games have, he's, he's proved that he's been huge for the Jays. Obviously he's had some clutch ABs. Um, he's almost hitting 500. He's hitting just under 500. And I know it's still extremely prematurely into the season, but considering how much talk was around him, you know, sitting on the bench and sitting out and if they're going to trade him at the trade deadline and, all that talk. I think he really, he really stood out and he's really making his case for why he should be a starting center field, a starting outfielder that is for the Jays every day. So I'm going to go with Richard. Tyler. Uh, my pick, um, you know, you'd think because I love him so much, it would be Vladdy after his, you know, continuing his success through the spring into the first series against the Yanks. And then again, in Texas yesterday. Um, but my, my pick is Julian Merriweather. Uh, closing two games for the Jays, two innings pitch, five strikeouts in his first uh, save appearance um, for his first opportunity in his career. Also, um, he came into Yankee Stadium and shut the door, was one pitch away from an immaculate inning, um, but ended up using an extra pitch to um, finish the game off there. So when you get two saves in your first two save appearances um, and strike out five of the six batters without allowing a hitter a walk, I think that deserves player of the week, getting the Jays, stealing the Jays two wins in the last inning. Yeah, I think for me, I'm not going to be too exciting here. I'm going to go Vlad because, I mean, it's not even just the offense. Like, he played great defensively over these first couple of games so far. And like everyone else has said, you know, it is early in the season. So it's hard to really, you know, gauge if this is going to be a thing throughout the season. But he's looked really great on first base. Uh, he's made a couple great picks especially because you know in that second game in uh, LeBron and sorry not in LeBron in Bronx in the Bronx um, you know <laughs> the Bronx in the Bronx uh, Bo kind of you know struggled to throw the ball so he kind of bailed him out a couple of times and then if we want to look at his batting stats I mean that just even furthers my uh, case right now because you know he's had 12 at bats four hits two RBIs a home run He's walked three times, you know, only struck out twice so far in the season. So he's looking really good. And I think, you know, he's, he looks like a completely different player. And I'm glad that I took all the overs on the Vladi categories because he's, he's going to prove me right this year. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I don't know. Like I, to be honest, I was going to pick Gritchick, but uh, Robert swiped him up real quick for me. Yeah. But good thing that we had our, um, we had our backup picks, and I think my backup pick is Vlad. But, you know, Grichik has had a really good beginning of this season, and I think that should put some pressure on Lars Gurriel and especially uh, Teoscar Hernandez because while those guys have played well at the beginning of the season, once Springer comes back, someone's going out of the lineup. And yeah. is that Randall Grichik? I Like, I'm not sure. Like, even if he, like, DH is, like, I'm okay with that. But I I think he's also, you know, he's looked I mean, he should have had that catch the other yesterday in Texas on the wall. He kind of like squibbed out of his glove, but he's looked fine defensively. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. But do you think there's any chance that, you know, we rethink the outfield and see, you know, maybe Randall Grichik being an everyday outfielder instead of one of the young guys moving forward? I do. Uh, I think you take out Lourdes Gurriel right now, who's he's not doing terrible, but he's not doing that great. And then again, it is the start of the season. Um, but Gurriel in the series against the Yankees, I think he grounded into two double plays. Um, and, you know, he's getting contact, but it's going right on the ground, right to the other team's third baseman or shortstop. So I think you take him out for a little bit. Um, not like, not like sending him down to the alternate side or whatever, but just, Give, give Grichik some more opportunity. If he's hot, he's hot, you know? And if you're a team going for the division title against the Yankees, if you want to try and compete for it, um, whoever's playing well, you put in the lineup. 
with the exception of George Springer. If he's slumping, keep him in the lineup. You're giving him $150 million. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think you play whoever's hot. You ride, you know, you ride the guys that are hitting well. Um, and Grichik always gives pretty good defense as well. Gurriel's defense is pretty good in left, but Teoscar uh, has played his most career games in left field when in, I think it was in 2019 or 2018 where he started 80 or something games in left field for the Jays. So I'm comfortable with Teoscar in left, Springer in center, and Grichik in right because um, Grichik's got a wicked arm as well. Um, so, I, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what uh, Montoyo has. And, yeah. Yeah. Off the top of my head quickly, um, between Teoscar, Springer, Jonathan Davis, Grichik, and Guriel, those are the five I have written down as potential starting outfielders for the Jays. And to back up your point, Tyler, like Springer's a write-off. Like he's starting every day. Like you said, you're giving the guy $150 million. You know, I don't care what's going on. He's playing. And I think a lot of that can kind of translate to Grichik because he signed that five-year, $52 million contract with the Jays. And obviously that's a third of what they're paying Springer. But in consideration with what they're paying everybody else, I I believe that's the highest paid con. That's the second highest paid contract on the team. Besides Ryu, um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, how you how how can you justify paying a guy fifty million dollars and you know you're gonna bench him? And it's not like he it's not like it's a poor fifty million dollars. It's going towards a good cause, like you said. He's a he's a great defensive player. You know, he's swinging a hot bat, and you know he's still. I believe he's still pretty like relatively young. Um, I might be wrong on that. I'm not too too sure. He's 29. He's also got good speed. Sorry to catch you yeah. off. No, no. no please um yeah so i think you know he's still got a lot of gas left in the tank i think you know now is kind of when he blossoms into the player he's meant to be and i think you know like i said earlier personally me i thought from day one like he should be starting and you know i think he's doing a great job proving proving why he should so that's my take yeah i i think it's kind of interesting because i think this is a great segue you know going into uh, talking about the uh, Yankees series, but I think, you know, I think that if we look at this outfield, I think every one of those five guys you named Robert is a major league player. Like I think on most teams, Jonathan Davis is your at worst fourth outfielder. Like I think if you're the Orioles, you're taking Jonathan Davis. If he goes on waivers like this instant, I think if you're, you know, I think even the Rays, like I think he could be a fourth outfielder on some of those good teams, like the Rays or, Maybe the one, like the elite, elite teams he wouldn't be, like the Jays, like um, I want to say the Yankees, he wouldn't probably make crack the top four in that roster. But, I mean, he's such a versatile player defensively running. You know, he's got a good bat offensively. We haven't seen it 100% yet. I mean, he's only had like, what, he had four at-bats the other day. So we've only seen him at the play four times. So it's kind of hard to gauge from that. But... Yeah, he just looked really good, and I'm hoping that, you know, this depth can really propel the Blue Jays into a playoff spot, and I think that's the reason why they'll be in the playoffs this year. Welcome back to the Blue Jays Way podcast. Uh, we are pleased to be joined by National Post writer Scott Stinson. Welcome, Scott. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Um, so I think we'll just get right into it here. Um, so I was reading uh, one of your articles that I think you released was today, yesterday, um, talking about – it talked about the starting rotation – and uh, I found it funny, the little comment where you the tug your collar when you look at this rotation. Um, so what are your thoughts on the Jay starters right now going into the first few series? Yeah, I mean, I think it is the, the sort of the point of the piece. I, I remember when the season finished last year and and the series with Tampa Bay, short as it was, was over. It, it just seemed like, OK, the one thing they need to do is address the starting pitching. And then. The way the offseason unfolded, I, I mean, I think to a certain extent, they were always hopeful they could land a guy like George Springer. And, and I think Marcus Simeon was kind of fell out of the sky and out of their lap and willing to take a short term deal. So it was almost like they ended up getting these guys that that will undoubtedly be a big help to the team. But then it was like the dust settled and it was wow, they still don't really, haven't really added much in the way of starting pitching. So I, I think what's interesting is they go into this season with what looks like a tremendous offense, uh, you know, even better than what was a pretty good offense last year. And the starting pitching beyond, 
Hyunjin Ryu is a bunch of question marks. Uh, you know, if it works out, if guys like Steven Matz and Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling can can eat some innings and and you know get them to a point where they can get five innings out of these guys and then hopefully have some help from the bullpen and score a lot of runs themselves, then maybe this won't be a problem. But it just seems a bit bonkers that you're going into this season with all this promise and, and, you know, it is basically Ryu and then hopefully Nate Pearson comes back and hopefully Robbie Ray is healthy and, and not the Robbie Ray of 2020, but, but something else entirely. So I, I, my overarching thoughts on the rotation are beyond Ryu. It's a bunch of question marks and, and maybe that works out okay for them, but it feels like uh, a lot has to break their way for them to be able to get enough starting pitching to be as good as everybody hopes they will be. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point in the question marks. Even like before all these injuries happened, the fifth starter was kind of a question mark uh, yeah. for this team. So once all these guys come back to being healthy, who do you see being that fifth starter for the uh, Jays? Honestly, I think it depends on on what happens in the next little while. I mean, in, in, the, the funny way this has turned out, because Pearson is going to miss some time and because Robbie Ray is going to miss some time, although maybe not much, you know, everybody else is going to kind of get a shot at it uh, in terms of those guys that you would think would be that fifth starter. And and maybe they don't really go with the fifth starter route at all. And it's, it's, you know, Trent Thornton and a, and a bunch of other guys coming into the pen as opposed to really saying, well, he's going to be our starter. They might just kind of skip the whole idea of a fifth starter and go with bullpen and, and go that way. So I, I think it really depends on on what happens in the next couple of weeks and somebody probably steps up or they hope somebody steps up and seizes that role and becomes a guy that they're going to, that they're going to roll out there every fifth day. But I, again, I just, uh, I sort of get back to the previous answer, which is that I'm not entirely sure somebody will do that and, and maybe they will, but um, you know, it's going to put it this way. If somebody pitches themselves into a clear fifth starter, role then things will be going better than i think the blue jays management maybe anticipated uh i think they it would be a pleasant surprise if one of the guys that we're talking about all of a sudden is is a clear-cut uh candidate to get major time in the starting rotation because that would mean these various bets are paying off in the event that um the starting rotation doesn't go well do you think like management is going to jump the gun early and make a early season trade or maybe a signing from the free agent pool. That's, I guess it all depends on how things unfold, right? Like if they can stay within shooting distance of the top of the division uh, with certainly in the wild card race, even if their starting situation is a bit messy and unsettled. I mean, that's essentially what happened last season. Of course, last season was weird. It was so short, but Again, other than Ryu, they were getting nothing out of out of Tanner Rourke and out of Chase Anderson and various other guys. Um, and they still hung around and, and were in a playoff position because they had a decent bullpen and because the offense was good. So I think if they can tread water and, and be in, in a position to bring some help from the minors or to make a trade closer to the deadline, that would very much be their preference. I, I guess I would say if if it starts to spiral out of control and they're finding themselves way out of the playoff race and really needing to solidify that rotation, then maybe they get aggressive and say, okay, you know, our plan was to, I mean, they basically said they want to contend this year. So if they're in a position where they're not contending and it's because of, they don't have enough guys who are throwing quality innings from the, from the starting positions, then then I'd have to assume they will be more aggressive in trying to solve that problem. I don't think they'll just sit back and say, oh, well, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think they realize that there's a bit of urgency to, to be competitive this season. Yeah, I think, you know, overall, the whole pitching thing kind of puts into question where the Jays sit, because I know a lot of people in the spring training were saying it's them and the Yankees. But me personally, I still see the Rays as a big threat to be the second team or a wildcard team out of the AL East. How do you see the AL East shaking up? Yeah, I agree with you uh, in that the Rays are just, I don't see how you can count out that organization. I mean, we just see it year after year and, and you sort of go, 
well, they let Blake Snell go, uh, or they got rid of Blake Snell, and and he was obviously their their ace, and and how could they do that? And maybe Randy Rosarina was a bit of lightning in a bottle, and he's not going to do the kind of stuff he did at the end of last season. All that is true, and yet Tampa just always seems to be up or near the top of the division. Um, and and you know, I shouldn't say always because they do go through troughs. I mean, that's part of their their ethos is to get good and then kind of retrench for a couple of seasons and then get good again. But it feels to me like they're still in that pretty good. I mean, they made the world series last year. So I think it would be foolish to assume that they're going to take a giant setback. Um, and they just always seem to find a way to, to put more guys in there that can, can play baseball and, and they're like cheap guys that they find and, and they just have such a knack for doing it that I would be surprised if they didn't. Um, Baltimore obviously uh, presumably will stink and, and Boston, Boston is funny only because it just feels crazy that that team could be a fourth place team given how good they were not that long ago, but you know, they seem to be accepting of that fate. And obviously you, the Mookie Betts trade and, and some other stuff that it's like, they've, they've decided that they're cool with, with just kind of being a, a below average team for a couple of years before they take a big run at it again. So I think that's how I see the division shaping it. Um, and when, when the George Springer um, news broke out, I, I went back and saw your, your article, like just, saying how the Jays have finally been reckless with their money. Yeah. Do you think do you think they were a little bit too aggressive in the position player market considering the starting pitching there or did they hit all their spots? You know, I I, I hate to to take a, a cheap way out of this question, but I, I think the result is going to prove the answer to that. I th- I think the seat I think they're in a position and I touched on this a bit in, in the piece we already talked about, but the reality of modern day baseball is it's not, you know, the, you guys, I was going to say the early nineties Atlanta Braves, you guys are probably too young for the early nineties Atlanta Braves, but you know, the, the Maddox Smoltz Glavin thing where you just have all these aces day after day after day, almost no teams do that anymore. I suppose this year's Padres are, are the closest example of it, but you can get by with some lower quality starters because they're not pitching into the seventh and eighth inning almost ever. Um, and, and so I think what the Jays management has done here is said, well, maybe we can scuffle along with the starting position, starting pitcher positions for a while and, and have a good enough offense to be good. And we'll see if that proves, proves to be correct. I, it, it still feels me to me as somebody who's followed baseball a long time that going into a season where you hope to be a playoff contender with really one guy who you are certain is going to be a a reliable everyday starter is, is a crazy amount of risk, but they, but it is also something that I acknowledge is much more common in this day and age than it was even five or, you know, five or six years ago, the last Jays teams that made the playoffs before this one, you know, they, they had Aaron Sanchez and R.A. Dickey and David Price for a while. Marcus Stroman and and Marco Estrada was really good for a couple of years. Jay Happ was good. Like they, they had lots of starting pitching and they don't this time around. So, but on the question of, of, you know, were they too aggressive on the position player market? Look, I I just think they were at a time where they needed to, to spend a lot of money and to say after all these years of not doing it and promising that the spending would come when they were in a position to contend, that's, that's where they found the people able to take the money they were offering was at the position player spots and so instead of maybe doing what seemed like the more obvious thing which was go out and and get a frontline starter they just added more great you know what should be very good position player contributions which ultimately you can either prevent more runs prevent runs or you can score more runs and and they're gone the other way with the moves that they ended up making which is they're just going to try to score more and and win that way and i think one of those moves that kind of really shift the whole outlook of the uh, Blue Jays infield. Cause I know for the last two, uh, two seasons to one and a half seasons, it's kind of been the same down the middle pairing with Kevin Biggio and Bo Bichette. But now with Marcus Simeon taking the second base spot, now we see him over at third, which has kind of been, you know, a desert for, you know, 
I don't want to say quality players, but like uh, quality above, defensive players for sure. Quality defensive players is the way to go. So yeah. how do you see him fitting in over at third base considering I'm pretty sure he hasn't played since high school? Yeah, it look, it, third's a funny one because you talk to guys who play the game and some of them will say, eh, I don't really care. Like put me wherever on the infield. It's all the same. You catch the ball, you throw the ball. If, if you've if you've ever tried on been on a major league sized diamond and tried making that throw from third base it feels like you're throwing from the outfield sometimes like it's just especially if you're deep in a hole you're just like oh my god I you have to throw it as hard as I can just to get it there but so it is different um I but I think Biggio is just one of those guys it's a cliche right but he's a ball player and and I think he'll be fine and comfortable over there he's got a decent enough arm and he's athletic enough and mobile enough and so I think he'll he'll fit in okay I think the big question with him in terms of the makeup of the roster now is they've moved Vlad Guerrero's power bat from third to first they've put a guy on third who's not at all your traditional you know big power bat at at third base kind of guy and so will they at some point feel like they need to have more power at that corner corner infield spot i suppose the the counter argument to that is they don't really care because they've got enough power in other places of the lineup so i think they can they're hoping that with having a better third baseman in in biggio makes up for the fact that he's not what you see as the prototypical third base guy with the bat what do you, what are your thoughts on the jays um I mean, originally when the Michael Brantley to Toronto thing kind of happened, mm. that that whole situation went down. What are your thoughts on the overcrowded outfield? And do you think anyone in the outfield might get moved this year or they'll keep the depth as it'll work with George Springer's injury right now? I think they would prefer to keep the depth um, because it just look, I think this year, especially like nobody knows what's going to happen with COVID too, right? I mean, you could have, Ask the Toronto Raptors what happens if you get a you get an outbreak and suddenly you have guys who are in, in quarantines and and things like that. So I think they would prefer to have the depth uh, just to move some guys around, uh, have have guys not necessarily playing in the outfield 162 games a year, but but getting some days off here and there. I think they I think they're fine with that. Um, my impression from from what you're hearing from both Charlie Montoyo and, and front office management is that like, I think they're kind of finally glad they have enough outfielders. Whereas in previous seasons, they've been coming in with, you know, the Derek Fishers of the world and, and guys like that kind of expecting to play major or potentially be major contributors. And, and they just weren't. So I, I think if, if they are a little, if they got a little extra help in the outfield now, it's probably a welcome problem to have for them. Yeah, well, obviously it's nice now with uh, Springer not starting the season, so we actually have a, <laughs> uh, an MLB uh, center fielder in Brando uh, Grichik at center field. But right. you know, a little bit before uh, we actually got on to record this, it was just announced that, I mean, we all kind of suspected it, but Springer was added to the IL to start the season. Does that concern mm-hmm. you at all in terms of, you know, it kind of seemed like the team was making it out to be like not a big deal, like he wouldn't be out for a long time, but here we are about, a week and a half after they made that announcement, he's being put on the IL to begin the season. Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's, it seems a little similar to the Nate Pearson situation where he, he, you know, went down with an injury in spring training and it was like, no, nope, it's fine. It'll be fine. It'll be, no, it's okay. It's just precautionary. And then, you know, never to be seen again kind of thing. Um, and, and with Springer, it was very much presented as, we're just going to take it easy and it'll be fine. He doesn't really need to swing the bat in the spring, which is of course true. The only thing that I think is a little worrisome with that is it's a type of injury that can just linger. Right. And, and an oblique strain is it's not as bad as, you know, of course, blowing out a knee or tearing an Achilles or something where, you know, okay, this guy's going to be out for a long period. Hello, Kirby Yates. Um, But it is the kind of thing where if they don't, you know, if they, if he tries to come back too early and it is bothering him, 
then you're going through potentially like months of it being a little annoying and being the kind of thing that he can't really unleash his swing and, and throw the ball from the outfield and do all the things that you want to got to be able to do at full health. So I think the only concern is that if it's the kind of injury that, that affects him for a, a sustained period of time, that's obviously not a good thing, especially when they're counting on him to be this, you know, veteran presence in the middle of the lineup. So, or at the top of the lineup, but um I think the, I guess the one thing you can say out of all that is that they are being cautious with them and that the, the, the perhaps riskier thing would be to just have him in your opening day lineup because he's your guy you just spent a bazillion dollars on. It seems like they're at least saying, no, no, we're going to, we want him to be sure and comfortable and, and be swinging the bat well by the time he's in the lineup. So, you know, it's a long season. They can afford that. I, I just hope for him and the team and, you know, just, you want to see a guy like that after they spend big money on him, be healthy and, and see what he can do uh, in, in the best of situations. And, and hopefully when he comes back, he's not still dealing with the lingering effects of that. Cause, cause that would stink. This is more of a, just a general sports reporting question, but what's it like sure. reporting on, on different sports and other events during the pandemic and possibly remotely? I'm not sure your situation. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a basically all remotely guys and it stinks. <laughs> uh, I, I could just, the, it's a little tricky for me too, because I'm a, I'm a national columnist. So I'm, I'm not writing about just this Toronto team or just that Toronto team. Uh, it's helpful because there's two national teams based in Toronto, you know, the Raptors and the Jays both have a, have a national audience, but uh, normally what I would do because I'm not on any particular beat I'll if I decide I'm going to go right about the Raptors or the Leafs or whatever I would go down I'd go to a practice you know hang out uh, for a bit maybe chat to some people do all that kind of stuff not as part of like the daily scrums that you're seeing on on TV necessarily but a little bit off to the side um and it's impossible to do any of that in, in this era because all the access we get is via Zoom. And uh, even if you go to a Leafs practice, you are never getting in the physical same space as the player. So you can go and watch it from, from the practice arena and see what they're doing on the ice. But when it's time to do interviews, it's, it's everyone doing it from the press box, being Zoomed down to a podium uh, closer to ice level so there's really no value unless you really want to re- tweet out the practice line you know the rush lines at practice uh there's really no value in doing that so so that part of it is i mean look i understand it's pandemic i, I but it just in terms of the business of doing the job it's it's uh it was kind of novel for a while to be doing everything by zoom but we're getting to the point now where it's yeah, i'm totally sick of it and can't wait for the period where we can maybe start going back into venues in a real way and, and being able to interact with the people we're trying to write about uh, Mm -hmm. in a more casual setting, because you just get so much more from that than doing everything via zoom. And, and, and the zooms are always like, okay, this guy's available and this guy's available and the coach. And, and when everyone's talking to the same two guys, it's really hard to, find yourself with a unique angle on a story so yep i'm uh glad when this is all over uh just sorry going back to baseball for one quick question i i know that you are uh you do work for canadian based publication but uh i'm sure that you follow most of baseball who do you like Mm -hmm. for the world series i know i'm putting you on the spot here but who do you like <laughs> to you know be that uh, final matchup at the world series hmm well i'd have a hard the the sort of obvious pick is to assume that the padres with all the money they've spent and and the guys they've they've gone out and gotten are are gonna just roll to the world series again i but i you know, I'd almost be inclined to go back with the Dodgers as a National League representative, just because there's a part of me that wonders if, if having broken through last season, if, if those guys aren't just going to have the weight of the world off their shoulders, uh, especially when they get to the playoffs. I mean, that was a team that was kind of like on eggshells in terms of 
once they got there, were they going to screw it up again? And then they finally won. Um, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see Clayton Kershaw in his next postseason starts because he's finally got a ring and he can just go out there and, and pitch. Um, so I, I think I would lean Dodgers as the National League representative. Uh, and then I'll just be boring and say the Yankees in, in, the, in the East, uh, in the AL. It's, it's obviously, I, I, I know as a, I'm supposed to be an unbiased journalist, nobody really wants to see the Yankees in the World Series again. But that team has had some crazy injury problems the last while and still been very good and still been in the playoffs. And, and I, I just wonder if this is the year where it kind of works out for them and they get real seasons from Aaron judge and Giancarlo Stanton and, and, and they just splash some of the money around to probably bring in some guys at the trade deadline. And, and if they, that kind of stuff happens, they're going to be a real handful. You know, I, I'm not sure when it was to three years ago, I, the Jays played them an opening day at home opener anyway, at Rogers center. And it was judge and Stanton. And I, was there early enough to watch batting practice and it was just like majestic. I mean, just, just crushing balls left, left, right and center. And then I think Stan hit a laser for a home run in that game and maybe another double. And then, you know, ended up hurt. Judge was hurt. Like it's never really come together. If those two guys are healthy and next to each other in a lineup, I mean, that's just a total game changer in terms of relative to any, anybody else really in really any other team. So that would be my guess. And it's obviously just a guess, but I, but if they kind of, if it breaks their way this year, I, I think the Yankees are, are probably the team to beat in American league. Yeah, yeah. Give yourself a little bit more uh, credit, Scott. It's not just a guess. It's an educated <laughs> guess, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think, I think this will be my last question here as well. Unless, you know, Curtis wants to follow, follow up with anything, but sure. Curtis and I were talking yesterday and, um, this is also kind of putting you on the spot, but who would your early AL MVP guess be? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go Mike Trent. I, I just think. Uh, that was my pick. Uh, <laughs> look, he's, I, I mean, what can you say? But he's, he's remarkable. Um, he also is is in that weird position of should probably get the MVP every year, but doesn't. And if the if the Angels are decent and you know actually making a playoff run this year, which they might do, uh, there's an expectation anyway that, that they should be better. Then all of a sudden he gets a lot more visibility, and and I think that there is a there is a chunk of voter who just will not vote for somebody on a bad team, even if he's the best player in the league, because they're like, well. You can't be valuable when the team's, you know, 60 and 100. And, what you know, leaving that whole argument aside, if, if the Angels are half decent and Trout is Trout, then, then I think he's the, probably the best candidate. Yeah, no, that's – I mean, that's a legitimate answer because, I, I mean, I can we, – when we were talking, I said uh, Jose Ramirez because I think now that he's out of Lindor's shadow, he's really going to have a breakout year. But Sure. But, yeah, no, I, I mean – there's no argument against that pick. Like it's, he is the best player in the world right now. And it just sucks that he's on a team that can't seem to make the playoffs. And and I think what happens too is, is if the team is half decent, there'll be this, this series of coverage as we get towards, you know, the meat of the MVP race and people will start showing not just what he does this year. I'm assuming he doesn't suddenly turn into a pumpkin. But then they then they start showing. Well, here's what he's done over the last five years and the last eight years, and and his historical comparisons are like insane. And so it it almost becomes like this is a guy who is not just having a good year, but has been insanely good for a number of years and has only won the award x number of times. And and he so he gets that kind of groundswell of support going for him. Of he's been a little undervalued over the years, and so um, you know like these individual awards narrative means a lot. And if he ends up, if the, if the angels are good and there's a bit of a, maybe we've been a little unfair to Mike Trout over the years vibe going, then, then he ends up getting a bunch of more votes that way. And uh, Curtis, unless you have anything else to say, I think that's going to do it with our interview with Scott Stinson. So Scott, thank you so much again for joining us. 
thanks guys this was fun yeah thank you so much scott have a good one you too all right and welcome back that was a great interview with scott so we just want to thank him quickly for joining us but i think we're gonna get into a little bit more of mlb news in the second half as we normally do and i think you know as we're all blue jays fans and you know this guy kind of has a history with our team the place we're really gonna start off with is what do we what would you say ty like an hour ago as of the time of recording Rubened Odor just got traded to the Yankees for two prospects that we'll be honest, we've never heard of. They're not top flight prospects. So, you know, it's just, it's just weird. Like we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but I think, do you guys see Odor making the Yankees and actually like playing in games? Um, I hate Rubened Odor that, let me just start off with that. I absolutely despise the man. Um, I think maybe... Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, D- DJ LeMahieu isn't coming out, and that's where, where Odor plays, and that's all he plays. I don't think he plays in the outfield at all. Um, so, I mean, Doesn't I don't he also know. play shortstop? Possibly, he, but they have Glaber I, Torres there, yeah, so it doesn't good. matter. I mean, he's just a utility guy, right? That's what you... Yeah, I guess. I mean, you have... Odor there, so um, LeMahieu gets a day off here and there, I guess. But usually LeMahieu plays every day, so like this was kind of pointless. Um, you're not, I mean, Texas is eating up all his salary, um, so you only have to pay him because that's the rules. You can't pay someone zero dollars, um, so they have to pay him something. Uh, so I mean, I mean, good, good for the Yankees, I guess. But I hope this guy like Vladdy comes up and punches him in the face, or Rowdy Telez does something useful, sock this man in the face. So. I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll see what the Yankees do with them. Yeah. Um, the way I see it is just like a what if in case somebody gets hurt, if somebody wants to day off. I don't know. Something like that because DJ LeMay, who is literally the best hitter in baseball, in my opinion. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Glaber Torres. I like what he's doing. And then I, I really don't think they're going to slide Odor over to third base. Um, that just doesn't make sense to me. So this is, yeah, like literally just a precautionary just like a backup plan in case something goes off the rails trade for me because like you said earlier Curtis these two prospects no offense never heard of them so I guess that kind of just shows like I don't know how much value Odor has and how much value he brings to the team really so that's I mean he doesn't have any once you option a player they have no value I think I think that's the only reason the Yankees didn't pick him up was because they didn't want to take on the what $24 $24 million? 12 mil this year, 12 mil next year, yeah. Yeah, so like around $24 million worth of money that he's owed. So, you know, they make the trade. Who knows? Maybe Texas gets two MLB players, maybe. I don't know. Possibly. We'll have to see. We'll have to see for basically taking on that money. But, I mean, like, he can make the roster. I don't know if he will. I mean, the for some reason, like, the Yankees are carrying seven outfielders right now. So maybe you know, a Jay Bruce or a Mike Talkman maybe goes down, but Jay Bruce is probably playing first base for you right now, just because, you know, you don't have anyone else to play first base for the Yankees right injured. now. So yeah, because yeah, Void's injured. So I guess you're putting in Talkman. But yeah, man, like I was just thinking about it, you know how we we're talking about whether or not Davis should stay in the MLB. And I was like, no team carries five outfielders. The Yankees are playing five outfielders, Gardner, Hicks, Judge, John Carlos, Danton, Clint Frazier. We've seen all those guys regularly in the first two series of the Yankees played. So it can be done, obviously. I think, you know, Davis would play kind of a Brett Gardner role where, uh, not to bring it back to the Jays, where, you know, he goes in as a defensive substitute and, you know, he gets on the bases and, you know, he runs. But yeah, I don't know. It just, it's a trade to, to add depth. And, you know, when the Yankees have, the prospect capital to pay for Rudin Odor, I guess, why not do it, right? Especially when it's not at a high cost. It's not really affecting you. So, I mean, I a, a little part of me wants to see them, like, bring him onto the raw. He might actually play on their taxi squad, actually. He might just chill in the taxi squad, and then every once in a while he might get into the uh, 26-man roster. But, I mean, it would be kind of interesting because – I kind of want to see him wear the pinstripes against the Blue Jays. I think that'd be funny. Like just just one game, give me one at bat. 
That's all I, I bet, need. I bet you they will slot him in against the Jays eventually. I mean, we play Wait. them, what, 16 more times or something? Robert, you look like you're a thinking man. Do you have something you need to say? This has nothing to do with the Yankees' situation and their roster and all that. It just it just came to mind. So, Rugnet Odor, he's got that nice, scruffy, long beard. Right? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't call it nice, but he's got it, yeah. You know, you know what one thing that every single Yankees player has in common? No beard. No, no, no beards. beards. I, That's I, crazy. I believe it's a rule implemented by a GM because I know – It is. Sure, yeah. Because so, Garrett Cole had to shave, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing something about that too. So is Rugnet Odor shaving off the beard to play for the, for the Yanks? I don't know if you have to be a starter for that, but <laughs> – I think I, hope on, so. I think it's an organization thing. I think it's like a tradition that Yankees can never wear facial hair. Yeah. So I think it's been like since their inception, like it's been their rule. So he's going to look really weird. With That's what I'm saying. Hair. Yeah, he's, like, he's going to look really odd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if he just says, fuck you, I'm not shaving. And then yeah. they're like, okay. Trade me. <laughs> and then it. they DFA him. Yeah. <laughs> Put me on waivers. I don't care. I'm not shaving. I mean, he's the type of guy that to do that, to do oh, that, he'd be sure. like, I could yeah, definitely no. see that. Oh, 100%. I never even thought about that, Robert. That's, that's I, I, it point. just came to mind. I was like, whoa, hang on a minute. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. And then other MLB news um, Orlando Arcia, is that how you pronounce it, Tyler? Yeah. Is it Arcia? Yeah. Or, yeah. Arcia, Arcia, something like that. Orlando Arcia also got traded from the Brewers to the Braves. And again, it's kind of like a depth move because Dansby Swanson is the shortstop for that team and I see him continuing to be a shortstop for that team so it's just kind of shuffling uh, chairs in the clubhouse basically and again they only gave up like two prospects pitching prospects right for him Tyler yeah he also just correction he's their second baseman but it's likely that Arcia will slide in as their shortstop because Arcia usually plays second but when you have Dansby, Dansby Swanson there I mean it's no Swanson good. plays shortstop Oh, he does. oh, then Arcia is probably going to be their second Albie. baseman. I'll be Albies is the second baseman. He's not moving either. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so he'll just be their fourth or their fifth uh, infielder. It's yeah. it's just kind of a weird move for me because, I mean, do they really like? I guess he's young. He's twenty six, right? So they're taking a guess... gamble. Uh, I think they just wanted the depth, which is fair. I mean, for a team that's probably going to win. I mean, be up there for winning the division and trying to make a deep run. Uh, it, it makes sense. Just taking a gamble on a young guy. I mean, it also makes sense because if you want to give Dansby Swanson, like, or anyone who's playing or Albies, uh, shortstop yeah. or, or Albies, you know, a day off, it seems like this guy, even though he's only hit uh, 244 for his career, could swing the bat a little bit, you know, and he can play good defense. As well too. Yeah, so, I mean. He's versatile. I mean, this lineup's pretty set, though. Like, I know, I know, I wrote the uh, division preview for this division, so I like I've looked through all the rosters pretty thoroughly. And when I saw this trade, it just didn't make that much sense to me because it's basically just shifting prospects for a player that they like might use, they might not use him. He still has options, I'm pretty sure. So I guess they can always send him down for AAA. Like, it's pretty much. I mean, besides you know the contract value, it's pretty much the Odor trade. It's just an insurance thing. Yeah, I guess so, because, and also, I guess Dansby Swanson hasn't been, like, crazy with the bat outside of last season, so I guess if, you know, if he falters, you can maybe give Orlando a shot at shortstop, but, yeah, like, I'm just looking at the roster right now. They also have uh, John Camargo on, I'm pretty sure he's on the bench right now, because, and they also have Pablo Sandoval. Like, this is just a weird team, like. Giants legend, Pablo Pablo Sandoval. The yeah. panda. panda, the panda secured that 2014 title. I really hope his walk-up song is, you know, that panda, song was like, panda, panda, panda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully not because that'd be a little weird. But, but like, it's it's his nickname, so it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense, but I, I I strongly advise against it. That'd just be a meme. Yeah, I I mean, like, yeah, Ozzy Albies is. Is Camargo their third baseman? I'm pretty sure I he is. I think it, it's either him or Austin Riley. Is what I yeah, I think I, it might be like a 
you know, they both play like they switch on a given night kind of thing. That's my take. But, but yeah, so, I mean, two trades in the first couple weeks. Tyler, how are you feeling about the over-under bet? Because you should be feeling pretty good because you bet the over and I bet the under. And there's already a crap ton of trades that have been happening in the MLB so yeah. far. The J- I mean, the Jays haven't been really active. Um, I mean, they I mean made, wait, did that... Th- did they trade for that catcher before opening day? I forgot. Because uh, they got that catcher from the Angels, remember? I'm blanking yeah, his yeah. name right now. I don't know. We'll have to check. But, um, I mean, I think if the Jays are doing well and there's not too many injuries, knock on wood, then we're – I mean, there's no reason to make a trade right now. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, They traded I mean, for him six days ago. Sorry. Oh, okay. So, oh, so it was before – so it doesn't count towards the over-under because we said it as of opening day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if your team has a bunch of injured guys, I mean, I think you go for it. Or if you have the money, like, like Atlanta or um, the Yankees. So for the Jays, it doesn't really make sense right now, but for them, I guess it does. Cause they're, they're major contenders where the Jays are hoping to crack into the playoffs. I, I guessing the only thing you could trade for right now as the Jays is, you know, a starting pitcher maybe, but. Yeah, I know who's giving up a starting pitcher this earlier, this early into the season. So yeah, the market's not hot right now at all. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what goes on with that. But uh, quickly before we go, I just want to uh, shout out Zach. I think it's Pope. It could be Pop. I haven't googled how to pronounce his name. I can't even say pronunciation, or I I just messed it up again. But um, yeah, so he made his first uh, outing as an MLB pitcher. You know. He's he was a rule five pickup from uh, Baltimore to uh, Miami. He's a Canadian guy. He threw a scoreless inning in his first inning with the Marlins. So we just want to give him a quick shout out. Congratulations. And uh, hopefully he'll play well this season and he'll get a lot of time because I know sometimes those rule five guys don't get a whole bunch of time, but hopefully he'll see quite a bit of time in the majors this year. So yeah, shout out to him. And then if, unless no one, no one has anything else they want to talk about, right? Is there anything you guys saw that you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know, the Tatis or no? Oh, yeah, we should quickly bring that up, too, before uh, we go. Tatis got injured. Um, Tyler was saying it could be six months. They don't know 100% yet, right? Um, so I guess his shoulder must have popped out or something. We don't know the full extent. But um, they were saying worst-case scenario uh, is a six-month. He's sidelined for six months. Um, but I mean, I guess we'll see what the MRI comes back as, but yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully he's okay after signing that huge contract. So we'll see. Uh, my only question to you guys is if he's out six months, does that change your thoughts on who's going to win that division? Cause I know Robert, you wrote the preview for that division. Yeah. Which, uh, thanks for the quick plug, Curtis you should definitely check out on the site. Um, I, me, for me, no, it does not change because I had the Dodgers winning the division regardless, and this only helps their case. So, um, you know, obviously I don't, I don't wish for anybody to be injured for a prolonged period of time, but should he be injured for a while? Um, I think, you know, this provides a great spot for his name is Jorge Mateo. Um, he's a, I believe he was traded to them last season from Oakland. Um, you know, he made, sparing appearances for the Dodge uh, for the Padres that is last year he only had nine plate appearances and nine at bats but he got some action this year in spring training and he hit uh for a batting average of over 300 and he had an on-base percentage of over 400 so uh you know should Tatis be injured for a while I think they're in good hands I really like what he's doing in San Diego so you know, it all may not be as bad as it seems in San Diego. I know nobody wants their star player worth however much money he's making to be out, but you know, I mean, that team still has Osmer and Machado. That's what I mean. Yeah, it could, it could be worse. Yeah, all is not you could, terrible. You could be a team where you only have one good player, and that's Tatis, and then he gets injured, like like the Padres were a couple of years ago. So, I think they are in a better spot now, so it's not as big of a deal. Yep. But I think on that note, we're going to go into a quick edition of Plug Time. So we'll start off with our guest, Robert. I know I kind of already prematurely plugged one of your articles, but, you know, go ahead. Tell the people where they can find you and uh, what you got going on. 
Well, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robert Vona, just my name. And then on Twitter at Vona underscore Robert. Um, at, in terms of what's going on at OTL, myself and Jack, the two co-heads of football, have a podcast coming out. Should be coming out in the next few days. We're just waiting on some things to sort out. Um, so be on the lookout to the, for that because we're talking some off-season moves and some different segments in there. It's pretty interesting. Um, in terms of articles, if you're an avid F1 fan like myself, you're waiting patiently for April 19th for the next race. Um, there's going to be a little series going on. The first one has already been published, a little driver of the day. So it just recaps who stood out the most. You can check that out on the site. It covers the Bahrain Grand Prix. And the next one's going to be the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. Um, also, I'm sure by the time this podcast is out, there's going to be a Masters Prix written by myself. Um, it's going to be five golfers that could possibly bring home the green, green jacket at the end of the tournament. And finally, for football, we have a Sam Darnold trade article coming out from Nate. I'm sure once again, by the time this podcast is released, uh, that should be up and running. So be sure to check that out. He's a huge Panthers fan. So I'm sure there's going to be some great takes in there. And of, of course, finally, for football, we have Jacob's um, series. He's breaking down every position. Uh, top five players from every position going into the NFL draft. Right now, he has the offensive line. And the first one he released was the, uh, sorry, what was it? It's tight end. Tight end. There you go. So he has tight end and offensive line, and we're waiting on some other positions to come out. But that's a really interesting series. You know, he knows a lot more about the draft than I probably ever will. So that's really something to look at. And uh, yeah, I'll throw it over to Tyler. Tyler, what do you got going on? Um, yeah, so you can check me out on Twitter at Prosic Tyler, P-R-O-C-Y-K Tyler, and uh, Instagram Tyler R uh, Prosic. I think that's my Instagram underscore at the end. Um, uh, yeah, and on uh, on the site you can check out you know all the great stuff that uh, Robert mentioned, especially the Sam Darnold, uh, the Panthers keep pounding. Um, and uh, so yeah, the Panthers. I mean, both in um, football and in the NHL are great. That's just all I'm going to say about that right now. And um, for articles being released um, with the baseball team, uh, the plan is to have at least maybe a weekly thing, but right now it's going to be every, after every series, we're going to release just uh, some takeaways from each series, uh, whether it be me or anyone else on the baseball team covering that, um, that should be pretty good. So if you're interested in uh, getting a little in-depth look at the Jays, um, be sure to check those out. And that's it for me. Yeah, uh, quickly for me, since everyone basically covered everything that's going on, you know, on the site, because, you know, actually, since it hasn't been brought up, uh, by the time this is out, we're going to have started our series where it's called, uh, you know, trade, trade, sorry, trade bait predictions. So a bunch of the writers in the hockey department are looking at the top people on the trade bait lists that you've all seen for the NHL, um, sorry, for the uh, NHL trade deadline. And they're looking at where all those guys are going to go. They're projecting where they're going to go, a couple of different destinations what the trades could look like and uh curtis and hayden should be out by the time you listen to this uh, they're both looking at top-notch players and uh, michael mikhail grandland and taylor hall big names are should be going in the next couple days even uh, in the next week so make sure to check those articles out for myself uh my toronto arrows coverage is still happening i've been writing uh, recaps for every game hoping to do a little bit more rugby coverage once school is done so you should look out for that uh, other than that, I mean, this podcast, make sure to check out this podcast. We have a big guest, a little tease coming up soon. Uh, Tyler shaking his head in agreement that it's basically confirmed. We don't know when he's coming on, but uh, pretty excited to have him on, you know, talk some Blue Jays as we always do. It's, I'll give you a hint. It's another sports and that guy. We love our, you know, our sports and that personality. So he's going to be hopping on and uh, yeah, it's going to be great. So make sure to stay tuned to all of our socials for more information on that. But that being said, that's going to do it for us this week, guys. I want to thank, you know, Scott, obviously, and Robert for joining us this week. Um, if you like this podcast, make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can find us on the website, on social media, at OTL Sports CA, on Twitter and Instagram. You can obviously find all of the articles on the actual website, which is www.overlinesportsca. And that's going to do it for us this week, guys. And we'll see you next time on the Blue Jays' way.